Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host. Welcome today. I'm so glad that you're here. You know, yesterday we talked about pizza. I love pizza and I gave you some recipes for pizza dough, different types of uh, pizza dough and uh, different maybe tricks of, of how to uh, to prep that pizza, to make that pizza at home in such a way that you will not wind up with soggy crust. Uh, you can find more resources about that over at catholicfoodie.com. As a matter of fact, you can find a lot of recipes and cooking tips over at catholicfoodie.com and you can also find out a little bit more about yours truly, me, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, the handle on both of those is uh, Catholic Foodie. You can just search for Catholic Foodie. Instagram, I like to post pictures of, um, of food, good food. And, you know, I find that food is a wonderful um, common ground. You know, we all have to eat. And in today's culture, today's society, we find that a lot of people, a lot of people like to not only eat good food, uh, some people actually like to cook good food, but just about everybody likes to talk about good food. And we can attest to that because of, um, uh, you know, TV channels, very successful television channels like Food Network, uh, the cooking channel. Um, they're obviously making money doing what they do. <laughs> which is why they have been on the air for as long as they have. And, uh, and it's because we have this, I don't know, this, this craving, this desire to, to enjoy a good meal. You know, last week we talked uh, with my friend, Father Peter Preble, who is an Orthodox priest up in Southbridge, Massachusetts, and we talked about fasting. And, you know, fasting is part of the Christian life. It is part of the gospel message. It is part of what you and me are called to do in our practice of the Christian faith and our, I guess, uh, incarnation of of, uh, of Christianity in our own lives, right? You know, where the, the rubber hits the road, so to speak, in the details of our lives. And in uh, fasting is not always an easy thing to do. It's not always an easy topic to talk about, but uh, it is very important. And I think it does help us to highlight the fact that, you know, we can, there's a time for everything. There's a time for fasting. There's a time for feasting. And that was part of what we talked about uh, uh, last week. So I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm into gluttony. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I think that Thomas Aquinas had it right when he said that all things in moderation. And today I want to talk about the importance of family meals. Because one of the things that food does, it really does bring people together. And uh, I have been to uh, family gatherings. I have been to uh, business gatherings where, uh, and even church gatherings where uh, the food was, um, I guess, to be uh, polite, sort of lackluster. And it's interesting for me to take, a, to take note, to, to watch and to see the reaction of people. People are still happy to be there. They're still happy to see each other. They're still happy to, to, for the opportunity to, to gather and to get together. Uh, but you can almost see that there's almost like a, a, a letdown of sorts that, that people can experience. Uh, and then you go to a family gathering or a business luncheon or even a church event where the food is really, really good. And you see the difference. Just see the people, the, 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 the happiness, the joy that's there of people really just enjoying things. And this is why I think it's so important because um, we get joy out of this physical, tangible thing called food for a reason. Uh, I like to say that God, who is our creator, uh, knows how he made us. He has the instruction book. He knows how we work, how we operate. And we live in creation, this thing that he made. He made, he created this world we live in. He knows how it works. And 
there's this thing that that I came across years ago that may help to explain why something as basic as food can really bring so much joy into our lives. And uh, I remember this is going back many, many years ago. I think I was probably still in the seminary. So we're talking probably 18 to 20 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, Um I came across a book. It's written by a priest, uh, Father Oscar Lucfar, uh, who is of Lebanese descent, uh, just like my wife, as a matter of fact. Very interesting. Uh, he's a Catholic priest. Uh, he wrote a book called The Privilege to be Catholic, and I, I just absolutely love this book. Why? Because the whole point of the book, the whole thrust, what it is built on and based on is what, in, in Father Oscar's um, opinion, is this one thing, this one thing that makes the Catholic Church radically different than a lot of the Protestant churches, a lot of the other churches in America. We can't say that about our Orthodox brothers and sisters because they too are a sacramental church. Uh, What Father Oscar talks about in the basis of the book is something he refers to as the sacramental principle. That creation itself is sacramental. You know, in in its basic form, the sacramental principle states that created things are good. And are signs of God's presence and grace. Uh, Father Father Luke Farr notes that the sacramental principle is distinctly Catholic. Um, we could say Orthodox too, since I've been talking about them on the show recently with the the Greek fest and and Father Peter Preble joining me last week. But it's distinctly Catholic, and it's the basis for all that we do as Catholics. You know, God became man in Jesus. And uh, the incarnation changed everything. God became man. God became flesh. Uh, And that's why um, the seven sacraments make sense for us, right? They're reasonable. You know, the sacraments are what? You remember the Baltimore Catechism definition of a sacrament? A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. And, you know, we're talking baptism, we're talking Eucharist, we're talking confession or reconciliation. I mean, all the seven sacraments are outward signs instituted by Christ. They come from the Bible. They come from the life of Jesus, right? We can look at them in the in the New Testament and point to them and say, that's, that's where it comes from. Um, but it's to give grace. So physical things God uses as physical things to give grace. And so the basic assumption here is that creation itself is good. It was created by, by God that way, and God uses creation to communicate with us. We're bodily creatures. Um, you, you know, you can think of uh, spirituality and even look at some of the Eastern spirituality like uh, Buddhism as an example, where really the whole essence of that is to lose yourself, Right. It's, it's to kind of lose yourself. You're like a drop in the ocean and the, the ocean being being itself. And what do you do? You kind of lose yourself in that. Christianity, Judaism and Christianity are completely not like that. <laughs> God may be <clears throat> like an ocean, but with that, that little drop that I am, when I fall into that ocean of God, I do not lose my personhood. I do not lose my consciousness. I, I know who I am and I can know who God is. And Christianity, in essence, is basically a relationship, a filial and familial relationship with God. And God himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a family, a community of love. And so this is how God reaches out to us through creation. He knows how we work. He knows what we need. And so the sacramental principle is basically saying that God communicates with us through this physical stuff, whether it's water and baptism, 
baptism, whether it is oil and the anointing of the sick or, or chrism, holy chrism, or, or even an ordination, holy orders, where we are, um, the hands are, are laid on the, 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 you know, they have the laying on of hands. You have anointing with chrism, uh, the Eucharist, bread and wine, very physical things. And so relationship happens this way. Grace happens this way. You know, when I was teaching, um, working with youth and doing uh, sacramental preparation, I would always like to point out all the little things, right? Things that we tend to take for granted. As, exa- as an example, grace. What is grace? Uh, you know, you ask that question to a teenager and they're going to look at you like, I-, I don't know, it's something that God gives us. Well, when you, when you stop and look at it and you look at what the catechism says, grace is the very life of God, right? God has given us a share in his very life. That's what he's given us. And so he does that through the physical things and these sacraments. So Oscar Lucfar, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm trying not to chase rabbits here. Uh, the privilege to be Catholic. He talks about the sacramental principle. He talks about how it, this is something that is distinctly Catholic. It's the basis for all that we do as Catholics. It's why sacraments themselves make sense, right? It makes sense that if you pour water over the head of, a, of, a, of an infant or an adult and a priest or a deacon says, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we understand that. That is not only water passing over the head, but that symbolic, or that, that symbol of water being poured is, is helping us to see what's really happening. And what's really happening is sins are being washed away. That, that the water of baptism really does cleanse us of sin and it makes us a new creation. We become a son or a daughter of God, a member of God's family the church. And so these sacraments are real. It is not just uh, symbolic, but the sacramental principle helps us to understand how they work. They are reasonable. And and we see the same thing with uh, the Eucharist. You know, the Eucharist, bread and wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ on the altar. And, and what does the Eucharist do? The Eucharist, Jesus himself is feeding us, feeding us with his body and his blood. We actually take the Eucharist into our bodies physically, but that is only a, um, it shows, it's like a window that shows us what's really happening. What's happening. We're taking him into our very selves that we, we are consuming him who, you know, you, when you think about food, you know, you are what you eat, right? You take something into yourself with the Eucharist, something that does happen, uh, but something else happens too. It's, it's, we are, we are consuming grace. We're consuming God, but God doesn't, doesn't just tell, we actually, he makes us into himself. Isn't that amazing? That is absolutely amazing. And the reason why the Eucharist makes sense is because we understand the sense of love and the sense of community that happens around the table when we join together with our family. So I like to try to, to, to make that link between table and altar, table and altar uh, with families that I talk to, wh- whether it was in the context of sacramental preparation in the past or even today at CatholicFoodie.com. We talk about the importance of family meals. Uh, it helps to make that link, too, uh, with the sacraments. So food, good food can be a sign of us or sign to us of God's love and care. God provides for us and, uh, you know, he doesn't provide for us in a stingy way. What what does Jesus say in John's gospel? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we can see that most definitely. We understand that most perfectly, I think, in a spiritual way, but it doesn't end 
only in a spiritual way. God came to bring us life. He didn't say just spiritual life. He said life and all life. And so we can see that God's love and care can be shown to us through the good things in life and through good food. So I have a lot to say about good food, about uh, the sacramental principle. And um, we were going to, we're going to, I want to talk to you about a few things today uh, in general about how, you know, why are family meals so important for us and probably some tips too, some practical tips on how we can um, make our family meals more important, like really implement this in our families. Now I will tell you yesterday, I talked to you about the Greek fast over the weekend and how I got so many good compliments about my kids and the work that they did and the service that they gave to, uh, to the, the, those who were organizing the festival. Um, but That is uh, something that we're going to have to talk about after the break. We need to take a break here. You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, and we'll be back in just a minute. Show. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Young, your host. We're talking today about uh, family meals, the importance of family meals. And uh, I talked to you last segment about the uh, the sacramental principle. And really, I'm just trying to give you an understanding from a Catholic perspective of why something like family meals would be so important. You know, the uh, the sacramental principle is uh, was a term that, that I got from uh, Father Oscar Lukefar uh, in his book, The Privilege to be Catholic. And he calls it something that is a distinctly Catholic understanding of creation the sacramental principle that God uses, first of all, that creation is good and God uses uh, created things to to communicate with us and primarily to communicate grace with us. So we talked about that a little bit last segment. Um, you can find out more and read more about that over at catholicfoodie.com. I do have a number of, uh, of articles that I've written over at catholicfoodie.com talking about the sacramental principle. If you go there, you can just search in the search bar for sacramental principle or family meals and a number of articles will... Uh, will pop up there. And why is this important? You know, why, why am I talking about this today? Uh, I, I think because so many families that I, I encounter, so many families are, have a hard time with this. I think in a lot of ways, we all know that family meals are important. We want to have meals together with our family around the table. But I'm telling you, folks, life is busy. Life is, uh, in my humble opinion, too busy. Uh, you, you have lots of families where both parents are working, sometimes multiple jobs, uh, kids today. Man, being a kid today is not like it was when I was growing up you know, 30 something years ago. I'm uh, 45, turn 45 next month. I can't believe that. Um, wow, I really can't believe that. <laughs> but but today life is just so much different for our kids. I know that uh, I used to, on the weekends or, or in the summertime when I didn't have to go to school, I'd get up in the morning, I'd have breakfast and I'd get on my bike and I'd take off and I might not come back until the end of the day, you know, uh, or, or maybe lunchtime and then take off again after, after lunch. But I can't let my kids do that today. You know, I mean, it's, there's just too many crazy things going on in the world that we live in. And so life, I think is just 
a, a lot different today than it used to be. And uh, the thing that, that I grew up with were, I mean, I grew up with family meals. My, my mother uh, stayed at home and uh, I think she cooked just about every night, uh, home cooked meals. I know my wife uh, grew up in a family the same way. Uh, a lot of my friends grew up that way. Um, but today that's not necessarily the case. We're, we're just so busy. We're, we're so busy and I really do... I am concerned. I am concerned that um, that we are busier as a as a society, as a culture. We are uh, much busier than than is um, than is good for us, um, and that it does impact our health. And that that is a topic for another day. <laughs> we can only do one thing at a time here at the Catholic Foodie Show. So we're talking the importance of family meals, and uh, the busyness definitely does impact that. And I, I was mentioning. Uh, last segment, very right there at the end about this past weekend, Greek Fest and hearing all the compliments about my kids and the work that they did and, and how awesome that was. And, you know, looking back at the Catholic foodie, I've been doing this now since uh, 2008 and looking back at what I have written at the, the shows I have produced at podcasts and also radio shows talking about family meals. I've used my family as an example and I do that. Well, I mean, first of all, it's what I know, right? And, and we tend to write about and, and talk about things that we, we know and, so I talk about my family. We've been a, a family of five for the last 13 years. My youngest is 13, and uh, that's going to change in, in just about two weeks. <laughs> we're, we're about to have another baby, so uh, praise God. That's that's awesome. I can't wait. Um, I know my wife can't wait. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, it's the very end of pregnancy here, so she, she can't wait to deliver. Um, but what my knowledge, my understanding on a daily practical level has been uh, cooking for a family of five, having dinner daily uh, with a family of five. And so a lot of my recipes, you, you look at the recipes, what are they, what are they rationed out for? A family of five, right? It makes sense that, that I'm writing and, and sharing what I know. I'm writing from that perspective. And the interesting thing is, as I look back over the last eight years, I look back at what I have shared about family life and cooking for families, family dinner daily, you know, even daily, things are changing. Yeah, I, I can't help that. Uh, my kids are growing up. Uh, they're, they're 13, 14, 15 years old today. And so when I look back at what I wrote five years ago or, or eight years ago or however many years ago it was, seven years ago when I first started The Catholic Foodie, things are different. And uh, used to be very easy when they were smaller, not involved in as many activities. It was easy for us to have dinner every day. And we did home cooked uh, meals every day together and, and just a wonderful blessing for the family because family meals are important and it's, it's time to be together. It's time to just enjoy the day. It's time to reflect on what happened during the day, time to talk about how God blessed us in a day, in that particular day. Um, there's a real intimacy that happens around the table. But what I have noticed as I continue to talk about the importance of family meals is that the dynamic that I experience on a daily basis has changed. And so we struggle to, to get around the table together. We still eat dinner together several times a week, you know. Um, we, we are blessed in that respect, but it is more of a challenge. And so I can feel the pain, so to speak, of of families that have contacted me over the years or, or interacted with me on social media and said, hey, this is hard for us. What do you recommend? How can we do this? This is not easy. 
And, and uh, you know, I, I've been able to talk from my perspective and to help and to give tips to them uh, over the, the years. But now we're actually experiencing it, you know, the, the difficulty of, of those family meals. So I, I will give you more toward the, the end of the show. I am going to give you uh, some tips, 10 shortcuts uh, to cooking dinner in record time. Because <laughs> I know that one of the complaints, one of the complaints obviously is that cooking itself can take a long time. Well, I'm going to give you some tips, some shortcuts on how you can maybe shorten the amount of time it takes to actually put dinner on the table. And, and let's try to eliminate that as an obstacle. Um, and, and of course, there are other obstacles. There are the fact that, uh, you know, the, the facts that kids are involved in so many activities today. I know if your kid is in high school, I mean, there's a lot to do. There's homework, first of all, lots of homework, but there are also other activities. They may be in sports. And, and it seems to me that there's a lot more practice today for football than there was when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, the, my, my children, I know uh, my son loves to act. He's an actor. He's involved in plays. And when you have plays and productions like that, uh, you've got practices. You've got um, uh, lots of, and when, when do they happen? They happen in the evening. And so he's out. And so it's just four of us eating together or my my girl's doing gymnastics and that's uh, three nights a week. You know, so how do you do this without doing what we have done for many years? Um, and this is something that we struggle with too, eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night. You know, we, my wife and I both, I mean, she, she would rather eat early. She would definitely rather eat early, but uh, we do have a history of eating more along the lines of the European, you know, in the European style, uh, maybe having that late dinner. <laughs> Not the best. It's certainly not her favorite, um, but we have we have all, you know, routinely uh, at different points in time over the last several years we have eaten dinner at ten ten thirty at night. Not uh, not the best uh, option. Certainly for some folks, probably not even feasible. Uh, but but it is an option, especially if you're wanting to to eat together. Uh, not everybody can do that, though. I totally understand that. So what are some things that that we can do? We're going to talk more about those practical tips a little bit later in the show. I do want to mention, though, uh, another reason why this is important to me. I recall, and we're probably going back about a year and a half now, a year, year and a half now, I recall listening to uh, NPR one evening, and, and the reason that I tuned in, matter of fact, is because uh, someone alerted me to the, the, the news story that was being broadcasted at that time. It was one evening, probably five, six o'clock in the evening, and uh, I don't remember the show uh, that was on. I don't remember all the details. I have to find the link, and maybe if I find that link, I can put it over at catholicfoodie.com. You can find it over there. Uh, just give me a day to do that. Um, the, the story was essentially, um, a news story that was, um, the, the gist of it was this family mealtimes, the expectations of family mealtimes are unrealistic today. You know, we're so busy today. There's so many, uh, uh, burdens on families already that they're unrealistic. And what we need to do is make a conscientious effort to, um, to replace the ideal. All right. The ideal of a family dinner needs to go away. We need to get rid of it because we can't live up to it. And it's making everybody, particularly women, feel guilty. And so we need to get rid of it. And uh, I was shocked. I was actually shocked. I did tune in. Matter of fact, I listened to that particular story uh, more than once 
more than once uh, because they did uh, release it as a, a podcast or recorded podcast episode, and I was able to download it and listen to it. Uh, I was shocked because essentially what it's saying is, you know, for whatever reason, we can't meet the ideal. We can't live up to that. So let's just change the ideal. Now think about that. I mean, think about that reasoning, that logic. Does that make any sense at all? Um, you know, you apply it to other things in life. Apply it to other things. Apply it to, uh, you know, certain, I don't know. I mean, think about lying as an example. You know, I have a hard time not lying. So instead of me changing, instead of me trying to tell the truth, instead of lying when it is uncomfortable for me, why don't I just say, well, 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 lying's not so bad. You know, let's make lying okay. You know, it's the same kind of a logic. The same kind of logic is is in in um, in operation here. Uh, patriotism. I take that as an example. You know, we I disagree with certain things about America. So just on the basis of of that, I'm going to just you know advocate being anti-American. When the better thing may be to okay, let's try to address in the public forum the things that I don't like about decisions that are being made in America. Let's try to address that. You know, I'm still American and I still love my country. And let's try to address it from that perspective instead of saying, oh, let's just throw the whole thing out, the baby with the bathwater. And that's what this article, this uh, news story was trying to do. It was trying to say, okay, this ideal is making, and it did, it interviewed several uh, women and several families and made the argument that we need to get rid of the ideal of family meals because uh, people just can't live up to it. And uh, I don't know, faulty logic, I believe. And and I think it really is a, a, a not the right message uh, uh, to give. I think it would be healthier for families if we made the effort, conscientious effort to actually try to get around the table as often as possible. And we're going to talk more about practical ways to do that in the next segment. Right now, we need to take a break. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeff Young, your host. We're talking about the importance of family meals. You know, last segment we were talking about, um, at the very end, about that uh, news story that came out. It was about a year or so ago on NPR. I'm going to have to try to find the link and, and stick it uh, over there and, and, and the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, but basically it's saying that, you know, since families have are so busy and have such a hard time um, eating together, that we need to just get rid of the ideal of family meals because, you know, it just makes people feel guilty. And I was like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it's kind of like saying, okay, you know, we have a hard time making it to mass on Sunday, so we're just not going to go. Or or the church just needs to like not make that a, you know, mandatory thing or whatever. And I get, or, or, or go back to the Old Testament. Think about this, the Exodus, right? The Jews in, uh, in, in uh, Egypt. And uh, what does God do? God, God tells Moses, he gives him a plan. It's the, the angel of death is coming. Okay. You got to kill this lamb and slaughter the lamb and you put the blood on the, on the doorpost and the lentils and you have to roast the lamb and you have to eat. God gives you every little detail of what you're supposed to do about eating the roasted lamb uh, at the Passover meal, eating the, um, uh, you're not supposed to leave anything left, you know, all, all the unleavened bread, all of it. I mean, if you were a vegetarian back then <laughs> and God's saying, okay, 
this is what you got to do. And I'm going to set you free. And the angel of death is coming. I mean, if you didn't like lamb, tough, you know, you got, you got to eat it. You know, so sometimes we just have to conform. Sometimes we are the ones that have to change. Sometimes we are the ones that have to, to make that effort uh, to do something that's just not comfortable. And, uh, and that's, that's just life. That's just the way it is. So I don't know, you know, here we are uh, talking about family meals and the fact that we're just way too busy. I think we are way too busy. It's hard to get to the table. How do you do it? You know, the first thing I want to say is, you know, I, I know, I understand. It is very difficult, I think, to make uh, family meals a priority. Uh, I, I mentioned that, that my kids are getting older, involved in more activities. It is getting more and more difficult for us to, uh, to, to eat together every day. I mean, it's, we still have several times during the week that we eat together as a family. Uh, but there are meals where, um, it's just not happening. It's not happening because, uh, my girls are at gymnastics practice or my, my son has a play practice or, um, whatever it may be. We're just not able to, to connect. So what do you do in situations like that? I always tell folks, first of all, you know, do what you can, right? Do, what you can and don't feel guilty about what you can't do and start small. If, if y'all are not having any meals together right now as a family during the week, just pick one day, pick one day and shoot for that. You know, whether it's Sunday, that's what I grew up. I grew up uh, going to family meals with extended family every Sunday at my grandparents' house and all the cousins are there and aunts and uncles. And uh, my grandparents would cook this big old huge meal and, and we were all, we all got to eat and, and had a great time together. I grew up with that. We don't do that today because life is too busy. We don't have where all the extended family gets together today on Sunday. But that's, that's a great day to try, right? You, you go to mass together uh, and then you try to, to, to do a meal together on a Sunday. And Sunday really is, I mean, God tells us to rest on the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is for us is on, on Sunday. And so to try to, to spend that day as a family day, time together uh, and to invite people over. You know, I've noticed uh, a lot of times, you know, the busyness of life, the house isn't always as clean as it should be right? But something magical happens when you invite someone over. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the cleaning you've been putting off gets done in about an hour and a half, right? Everything is, and the house is wonderfully clean. Uh, so there's something about putting that pressure on yourself to, to get that, uh, to get the house together, invite people over. That's another way of, of maybe getting your family together is to invite folks over on a Sunday to make it an event, to make it into something big. And so that, that that uh, can kind of help us to, to really get together. Um, if you can only do it uh, during the week, I mean, one option is I encourage folks to get around the table whenever they can. If, if that only option is to get around the table at a restaurant, hey, that's great. I would just encourage you to try to make it into something that is a treat, to make it into something that is enjoyable, to make it into, to, you know, to, to go to a restaurant that has good food, something that you really want and that you would, you would desire. Um, because that does play a part. I mean, if you're making it into an event, make it into a good event, a fun event, uh, a happy event. That would be a good thing. Um, you know, there are lots of things out there that you can you can Google. Uh, lots of different ministries, even uh, Christian ministries that have put together little uh, discussion starters. I think Grace Before Meals might have something along these lines. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. You can always go to gracebeforemeals.com to, to check it out. Uh, but they have discussions, little cards you can do 
uh, little discussion starters um, that help you if, if you feel comfort- uncomfortable or feel nervous about, okay, if we are going to get around the table, what are we going to talk about? You know, try not to talk business. Try not to talk your family business or or uh, the laundry list of things that, that has to get done. I will tell you, and I'm going to pick on my own family uh, here, just as an example, my son is um, is really bad about this. Uh, I love him so much, and, but the one that he is so um, he is so smart, and and he is so kind of like driven. He wants to succeed. He wants to do good things. He wants to help people. He wants to get his work done, his schoolwork done. He wants to get all that done, and so he has a tendency. His mind has a tendency to not let go of certain things. So. Let's say it's, you know, we're eating dinner late one night. It's 930 at night. It's been a push to get the food on the table. Um, he'll sit down and he'll start to give us a litany of all the things he needs to do the next day. Well, it's just not really the appropriate time for that because we're trying to decompress from all the stuff we had to do today. <laughs> you know, we don't really want to start thinking about tomorrow yet. So that may be one thing to do if you're thinking about what do you talk about around the table? Probably not like planning stuff, not not talking about tomorrow, not talking about family business, but talk about each other. I mean, maybe one of the things we like to do is talk about how how have you encountered God today? How have you um, how have you experienced God today? That that is important. So that's just one uh, idea, and. Um, that's just one idea of what you could talk about uh, when you are with, you know, with family around the table. I am trying to to look here on Twitter. I did uh, tweet out a little little um, uh, little tweet here asking people, you know, asking folks if you have an idea of a shortcut uh, to help cooking, to help you know, the, the, a shortcut for cooking to help you share meals with your family around the table. Let me know. I'd like to share it on Facebook uh, or on the show right now. I'm getting all confused. I can't do two things at once. Here I am trying to talk and I'm trying to read at the same time. Um, I'm trying to see, you know, someone mentioned cereal, super sandwiches. That is certainly an easy way of putting food on the table and one that, uh, that you can do to, to, um, um, to get around the table quickly with your family certainly can can do something like that. Crockpots are another way, and we're going to talk more about uh, crockpots a little bit later. I want to share ten tips with you, ten shortcuts uh, for cooking dinner in record time. And uh, matter of fact, I have that article over at CatholicFoodie.com. You can uh, you can find that over there. But I'm going to go through that with you uh, in the next segment. You know, I want to touch real quick. We're going to be taking a break in a few minutes here, but I want to touch with you real quick again on the sacramental principle uh, because I shared with you an article, a news story that came out from NPR and that was about a year or so ago. Well, there was a story that came out recently about uh, a month or two ago, uh, Boys Town. Boys Town came out with uh, a number of uh, articles that they posted over at their website. And I'm going to see if I can. It was on the blog, I believe. I have to get all that information for you. Uh, but basically, it's talking about family meals. They started a hashtag called At the Table. And Boys Town inspires family meals at the table. That was their, their hashtag. Um 
it really caught my eye and I, I wanted to uh, to share that over at catholicfoodie.com. You know, uh, given my, my curious nature, I couldn't help but click on a link that I discovered. It was on uh, someone's Twitter feed. It was on Twitter. It was Boys Town, Boys Town uh, on their Twitter feed. Uh, family meals at the table are important. One of our bloggers shares what it means to her. And so they had this story on their blog. I couldn't help but uh, but 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 click on this to read it because I love this kind of stuff. And there were some excellent resources that not only help families uh, make family meals a priority, but also help families to get the most out of their time together around the table. And uh, I wanted to share uh, over at catholicfoodie.com what I discovered. And here's the gist of of this one post. Um, the name is Boys Town's contributor, the mother of a six-year-old daughter and her four-year-old son had contributed this post. And this was the gist of it. She said, tonight and every other night, I am committed to having dinner together with my family because my kids are still young. You know, I'm lucky that their extracurricular activities are minimal and I can schedule them around family dinners, but I know that won't last forever. <clears throat> uh, uh, amen to that. Uh, I know family dinner time can be challenging when sports, music lessons, scouts, and other activities start to fill the early evening, but it's important to make family dinners a priority. They allow us time to hear about each other's day, give thanks for the good things in our lives and spend quality time together. I cherish these moments and I will continue to make sure that my children understand the importance of family meal times. So that that is awesome. I love that. I've been talking about that over at catholicfoodie.com for, for, for the last few years. Um, and also uh, it, it plays a part in the Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine cookbook that I just published back in uh, November. Ligori Publications uh, published that. That's what it's really all about. But the cool thing is at this particular link over at boystown.com, at their blog, not only did I have these stories that were wonderful, but they also have uh, their Teachable Moments blog. Uh, there's a guide to parenting at the table you can find over there. And the guide offers reasons for the importance of family meals, tips on getting the conversation started, like I was mentioning earlier, once you have everyone around the table, and suggestions on how to handle certain sticky situations, like something I talked about yesterday, picky eaters. <laughs> so I would encourage you to check that out. This is the Teachable Moments blog over at uh, boystown.org, I believe. Uh, I have to double check that for you. I think it is boystown.org. Um, and when we're going to, when we come back from the break, we have to take a break here in just a second. When we come back from the break, I'll give you uh, 10 tips, 10 shortcuts for cooking dinner in record time. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. You're listening to Around the Table. Not Around the Table. Listen to me. <laughs> That's the other show. Now, you're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. We're talking family meals today. And I'm going to give you 10 shortcuts right now uh, to cook dinner in record time. You know, um, I talked about the sacramental principle, but one thing I did not really highlight is the fact that communion happens around the table. You know, that, that's certainly what happens uh, at Mass. You go to Mass, uh, we're there around uh, God's family table, and he feeds us with the finest wheat, uh, with his very self, with Jesus, uh, with the Eucharist. And... Um, 
God placed something deep inside of us that yearns for communion, uh, for union in our relationships. We, we see that at Mass. We see that with the Eucharist. We even call it Holy Communion, right? Uh, we desire union with God, and we desire union with each other, though, uh, as well. And so very often, this union takes place around a table. Uh, we can see this very clearly in sacred scripture. In the Old Testament, every single covenant that God made with his people culminated in a shared sacred meal. Uh, the Passover is the most well-known of these. Uh, covenantal meals. Uh, then, of course, in the New Testament, we see Jesus institute the new and eternal covenant within the context of a meal. And he tells his apostles, do this in remembrance of me. So communion happens around the table. Uh, and if you're like me, you know, dinner time can become especially tense. Frazzled is a word that I often use around 5 or 6 p.m. Uh, when kids are flying hither and thither and I'm trying to get dinner put together. Uh, you know, I have five mouths to feed, including my own and uh, gymnastics, karate, youth group uh, work, and uh, many other unforeseen hiccups of life frequently challenge our commitment to prepare and eat dinner together as a family. However, it's important. It is very important. I believe that eating together daily is extremely important. Uh, and I think that eating good food, healthy food, home-cooked food is also important. So what are some things that we could do, 10 shortcuts, uh, to help this process along? The first thing I would tell you is choose the right recipe. You know, if you're in a hurry and to put dinner on the table. You don't want to take on something like, you know, uh, beef bourguignon or, or some, some, uh, very difficult, uh, recipe, seafood gumbo. If you're down in South Louisiana, uh, or even homemade pizza, you know, cause pizza, unless you have prepped your, if you prepped your dough a day in advance, then, then yes, you could do that. But, uh, starting from scratch, yeah, it's probably not the best idea. You're going to need at least two hours, hour and a half, two hours for the, uh, the, the, for the dough to rise. So probably not the best idea. You got to be realistic, right? Be be picky when it comes to recipes and dinner ideas. You don't want to be too extravagant. Simple is good. Uh, There are plenty of quick and easy and healthy choices uh, out there, you know, things that don't take forever to prepare. And uh, you can even go to catholicfoodie.com and, and look for some recipes, quick and healthy recipes. Just search for that and you'll, you'll have uh, a list there you can draw from. Uh, you know, the second uh, tip or shortcut I would say is the importance of mise en place. Uh, my wife uh, reminds me of this all the time. Mise en place um, is not my strong suit for sure. Uh, it's a French term for the culinary concept for everything in its place. And for years, I was content to start cooking and just run all over the kitchen and the pantry, pulling things together at the last minute. My wife, on the other hand, is different. She always takes a few minutes ahead of time to assemble everything that she'll need for a particular recipe. It's all right there at her fingertips, and she cleans as she goes. Um, it's amazing, and it makes the whole process so much easier and so much quicker. I'm still learning uh, both of those skills, you know, mise en place and cleaning as I go, but uh, she is a great teacher. So I'm excited about that. Uh, when everything is in its place, uh, before you start a recipe, it saves you tons of time and uh, there's no running to the pantry to see if you're out of anything. <laughs> Nothing like, um, you know, seeing at the last minute that you don't have enough eggs or milk. Uh, so, so it puts everything uh, at your fingertips and makes it a lot more uh, easy. Uh, a third tip here, sh- a third shortcut is a routine. Routine is good. Setting up a, a weekly menu is awesome. It's, it makes things so much easier. Some people think that uh, routine equals boring, but that's not really uh, the case. You know, if you're trying to, to feed a busy family, day in and day out. Uh, Routine can be a big help. Uh, My wife and I wrestled with this uh, for years. We finally decided to come up with a weekly dinner menu. So as an example, 
uh, you know, breakfast and lunch or, or breakfast is really an easy thing to prepare. So maybe one night a week on a Thursday, as an example, we have breakfast for dinner. So we'll do scrambled eggs, grits, um, bacon, you know, that kind of stuff is pretty easy to, to, uh, to cook, uh, Wednesdays, maybe taco night, you know, tacos are, are pretty easy to do. Uh, I love, uh, etouffee, shrimp etouffee, which is a classic Louisiana dish. And it's, it's, it's really very easy. Once you have fi- uh, sh- uh, shrimp that are peeled, uh, very easy to put shrimp etouffee together, uh, or even making a soup, you know, ahead of time. So just a different meal already planned out ahead of time each week. Uh, another one, a fourth, uh, number four, uh, shortcut weekly scheduled grocery run. I personally love to go to the grocery every day. I, I, my life is so busy right now. Um, I can't do that, but uh, for years I did. I, I went every day. I find it to be relaxing. I find it to be um, a great place for me to be creative. I get a lot of creative ideas when I'm in the grocery. And it's just something about uh, being there and having all these possible ingredients at my fingertips. I just love it. My grandfather used to do the same thing. So apparently it runs in, in the, the family blood. Um, but for a lot of people, they could save time by planning ahead and uh, making out menus ahead of time, and and then just doing one big grocery run at uh, some point during the week. It doesn't have to be on a weekend. It could be the time that's most convenient for you, but you you buy everything you need at least for several days, if not the whole week in advance. Personally, I like to do it every day if I can, but if this could help you save time, then hallelujah, praise God for that. Uh, Number five, five, the fifth shortcut, a crock pot or one pot cooking. This is an awesome thing. A lot of traditional South Louisiana dishes, jambalaya, gumbo, just to name two, um, are big one pot uh, meals. It's a meal in a pot at red beans and rice started out. That's where it came from. It was a, a meal in a pot. So there's a lot of wisdom to, to taking this approach, a lot of wisdom to, uh, to preparing meals in one pot. Uh, I have lots of recipes over at catholicfoodie.com for one pot cooking. Uh, you can take a look over at catholicfoodie.com for that. Uh, etouffee is the same way. Um, so that you can think about that crock pots are one way of doing that. Uh, we, we, we usually, we buy half a cow at a time. We have a, a farmer we work with, uh, that's not too, doesn't live too far away from us. And we like to buy a uh, half a cow at a time. We get a good price on that. We have freezer space. We store the cow in the freezer. We have different cuts. And some of those cuts really are excellent for crock pot cooking because it cooks over a period of, I don't know, uh, eight to 10 hours or so. Um, the meat becomes very, very tender over time. So you could do a, a, a beef stew becomes very easy to do, uh, you put everything in there together, not a whole lot of chopping to do, and you leave it on all day. And uh, it's a great, very time, uh, saves you a lot of time to, uh, to do it that way. Big batch cooking is another tip. That That's the, another shortcut. Number six, instead of cooking, if you're going to cook uh, one meal, why not cook two? And this is kind of the way I approach cooking all the time. Uh, if we do, if I do, if, I, if I'm going to roast a chicken, I'm not just going to roast a chicken. I'm going to roast two chickens because it's the same amount of energy I'm expending, the same amount of time. It's not going to take any more time. And I'm going to get two meals out of it instead of one. So that is a very important thing 
for me to do. Um, it, it really does save time. We can always, we love leftovers. I have no problem with leftovers and you can do so much with leftovers. So that's a big deal. Sometimes we have, if we had events coming up uh, where we knew we wouldn't be able to cook during the week on a Sunday when we cook Sunday dinner, we have done a big batch. We've made enough, especially something like gumbo. I can make enough gumbo to feed an army. So I would, I would make as much as I could, you know, make a, a big old huge pot of it, big pot. And uh, we'd eat some that night and we'd save some for different meals throughout the week. Or uh, we could even freeze some and save that for a completely different uh, week. That's a, a smart way to go if you're trying to save time on a regular basis. Big batch cooking. Uh, the seven, number seven shortcut is to use the right tools. Uh, it's amazing how simple, how easy work becomes when you are using the right tools. Um, and I think, I think we are, we're running close here. We're running close, but we're almost out, out of time, but we still have a couple of minutes. So uh, I'll give you an example of, uh, one tool in particular that just saved me tons of time. I make salad dressing every night. Every night I make a salad. I use fresh lemons. I use olive oil, fresh lemons. Uh, sometimes I'll use a little red wine vinegar. Uh, the recipe is over at catholicfoodie.com. You can just search for salad dressing. You'll find it. Uh, and I, I like to use a reamer, right? A little wooden reamer uh, to, to squeeze, fresh squeeze my uh, lemons. And uh, it's amazing. That, that thing has saved me so much time because for years I had a, the same reamer. I used it for years. And it was just such a reaming, squeezing lemons had become kind of a chore. It was a pain in the behind. And I didn't know why. I didn't really think about it too much. I just kept doing the same thing every day. And then I went to a friend's house and and cooked uh, for them one evening. And uh, I used their reamer, which was brand new. And when I saw how sharp that edge, that point, that tip was supposed to be, I was like, oh my goodness, the light bulb went off, you know? This is why I haven't been, do- it's been such a, a chore uh, uh, squeezing lemons for my salad dressing every day. My reamer was so old and dull. So this is what it was supposed to be like. So I went out and I bought a new reamer for less than $5. <laughs> And it was a life changer, you know, so that was, um, that was amazing. So use the right tools. You can save time. Uh, we were, we were almost out of time here. So let me give you a couple of these, uh, real fast. The remaining ones, uh, number eight, number eight shortcut, uh, get a little help from your kids, you know, get other people in the kitchen to help you. Let the kids help. Uh, always age appropriate stuff though. Uh, get the kids to help. And, uh, number, number nine, you can pre-wash your vegetables and pre-cut your vegetables. You could do this. If you grocery shop in advance, you're there, uh, you know, maybe even do all your vegetables, you know, days in advance, and then you can just uh, store them. That helps. And then finally, prayer, because prayer makes everything easier. We are almost out of time here at the Catholic Foodie uh, Show. But you can find this list over at catholicfoodie.com. Ten shortcuts for cooking dinner in record time. Of course, I would love to hear if you have any shortcuts. Please do let me know. You can email me at jeff at catholicfoodie. Thank you so much for being here today. This is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, and I will see you tomorrow.